This podcast is produced by Arts Council England. For more content like this, visit artscouncil.org.uk or soundcloud.com forward slash artscouncilengland. Well, my name is Simon and I've been in post at Beamish for about eight years. Um, and we've been using the framework for about six. So um, what I'm going to show you is the process that we've been through. Um, at the beginning, we were very much like probably you are now going, what? How do we do that? Are you sure you want us to do this? So, and then as time's gone by, we sort of, it's sort of embedded in the practice and informs us more and more about what we're doing and where we're going. It also enabled us to challenge a little bit our boundaries. So I want to share that a little bit if I can with you. And I also want to show you how it works or how I think it works. <coughs> so the first thing is that, um, well, you need to know a little bit about the background of, of the museum and where I work. So has anybody been to Beamish? Anybody know Beamish? You've been, well, great. Um, Beamish is an open-air museum. It's 300 acres um, in beautiful Durham. Um, and it's a beautiful countryside area. And within the museum, we've recreated parts of the past. Um, so there's a town, there's a farm, there's a mine, uh, there's a pit village, uh, and so on. And the way that our visitors engage with the objects is through people in costume. So our budget is very much to do with people. We employ 250 people at the museum at the moment. Um, and their job is to engage the visitor in whatever form that looks like. It's not about delivering a lecture about a particular object to each visitor every time they come through in the space. It's more about finding out what they want to know about the objects, what they want to know about the past, where, where they're going. Um, and almost the silence in that is more important than the speaking because you offer a silence, offers a chance for the visitor to ask question, to find their own way through the history and to, for you to act accordingly. And this gives a fantastic opportunity for learning, um, particularly with school groups. Okay? So within the museum at the moment, we uh, entertain uh, 42 between 42 and 45,000 children a year with their schools and we charge them six pounds for the privilege of coming into the museum. At the beginning we, we were funded by the councils in the region and we're still managed by the councils in the region but, but they don't fund us anymore and in fact we're putting money back in the system which is a bit odd. But anyway, here we are. Um, so there's always pressure to make sure that we balance the books we want to build the next church, we want to build the next chip shop, the next whatever it is in the museum, so we're always looking for a little bit of surplus so that we can reinvest. I've got one or two pictures to show you the sort of activity. So what we have is a general, we have a number of activities that we deliver day by day. So Victorian, we do five Victorian lessons in the day. We do six pit cottage activities. We do three murder mysteries, two suffragette marches. That's the potential to do. <laughs> yeah, and a partridge in a pear tree. But what I'm showing you here is the sort of one-off, more one-off experiences that we offer uh, bespoke delivery. So here we've got a child coming and laying a rose on the image of some miners that died 100 years ago. And um, 
I walk the children round the town to show them where the event took place, where the miners lived, where they're buried. And then they all came, eight schools came together and they all sang the same hymn. They all had roses, they all had their own poetry to read and so on. And the head, the, um, head of music at the high school played the last post. It was great. It was very emotional. It got them engaged, very creative way that we use the museum. Um, and then here you can see that this is the Washington community coming to do a children's strike at the museum. I found a really brilliant story around how the children um, went on strike in 1917 because they were starving. Um, and so you've got granddad, you've got the whole community coming to engage. And they made their own banners. You can see that's a year one banner. Well, you can't see it very well, but it was year one. Uh, they made their own banner around that, which was great, you know. Um, and it brought 10,000 visitors in February in February to the museum. This project did that, did that experience. And it brought people out of their community to engage with the museum that would not normally engage. And then you can see below the suffragettes, or the students being suffragettes, um, and debating and marching that they did. And then the picture below is a dad who's taken a picture of a child underground in the mine that we have. Um, and the, we banned the women in this experience, and I gave them all cameras. And this is one of the images that it took. It was a really powerful experience for dads and children together. So these are the sorts of things that we, we offer um, our wider community, and that's who we are. So what comes from that, or not from that, but um, the Museum, Libraries and Archives Council had a debate about five, six years ago about what it was to learn in a museum, what they felt was the important aspects of learning. And they, um, they did what you're doing now, which is interview all the, the people who might have an interest in that. I nearly said bigwigs, uh, but you know what I mean. And they all offered ideas about what they thought learning was. And that, those are listed here. I'm not going to go through them, but there, there's an engagement with experience. There's... Um, uh, knowledge, developing skills, knowledge, understanding, awareness, values, ideas, feelings. There's an idea of moving on as well, um, and so on. And so if this is what learning was, then the logical next step was to think about how we might measure that in, in the museum. If this is what it is, so is it happening? Do, is this really what's happening within our museum structure? Okay, so from that comes this inspiring learning for all framework, or what we call ILFA. Um, and from that comes these, um, uh, what we call GLOWs. <laughs> <laughs> which are generic learning outcomes. Now, frankly, between you and me and this microphone, um, it, it doesn't really matter what these categories are. What matters, I think, is, is the ability for you as an organisation to look at what teachers are saying or look at what your visitors are saying and to maybe categorise what, what they are saying into different categorise the comments they're making. So if you imagine that, um, which is very common in all museums, there's a sort of comment book and it's, it's filled in. Sorry, my arm's getting tired. My, <laughs> it, you fill it in and um, it might say, oh, nice time, had a nice time in the museum. Quite bland comments sometimes. But what we wanted to do is to look at those comments and see if they fit into any categories and see if, they, um, see if they're all saying the same thing or if they're saying slightly different things. And what... If that's true, then what's the, what is that impact on your delivery, on what you do? 
Um, and so th basically that was it. There was this evaluation already going on, but nobody hadn't analysed it particularly or taken it and said, well, this is what this means or this is what this... So um, the GLOWs or the generic learning outcomes enable you to give a little bit of a structure to decide, well, this comment fits with this and this comment fits with this and then to stack them. And then by stacking them, you can see enjoyment this high, skills this high, and then you can make a, and, and figure out why that might be the case. And it informs you as to where, where you go next, potentially. Alongside all of that, um, there, were, there was a recognition that um, there, this is to do with the learning in the museum. But in order for this learning to be effective, there had to be other things in place. So that um, you needed people who knew what they were doing. <laughs> And uh, around school groups, around the learning. You needed the place to be a good learning environment. Um, you needed to have the right toilets. You needed to have the uh, whatever. And then the partnership around, um, and this particularly might be a school partnership or it might be another museum partnership or whatever, but partnerships were deemed to be quite important in this delivery and also that um, the museum structure and the policies reflected the idea that mu the museum was a learning place and not a depository for objects or whatever. Okay, so um, the policies, so these things come along with these and in fact some of the comments refer to the lack of toilets or to the lack of skills within a, somebody delivering or whatever, do you see what I mean? So um, there are comments here which I call or which are called grey <laughs> where they don't fit into a category and in fact when we looked at the grey comments we got a lot more from the experience than looking at these, looking at the, the categories that fitted, okay? So what I've got here um, is a little bit more information of what, what, what was deemed to be enjoyment, inspiration and creativity, which is the red one. Um, and in fact, the, the early comments that I collected, I colour-coded them, sadly. Um, but it made, it made us see the colours. It made the staff go, oh yeah, that's red, that's green, that's purple. Whatever, and, it, and, and so it made it more immediate, whereas if I'd just written down this as enjoyment, it didn't, do you see what I mean? So, um, so that's, that's enjoyment, inspiration, creativity, and then the skills um, around what might happen when you're in the museum. Quite tricky, the skills, because we're not going to see the children for more than maximum of four hours, so how do you teach a skill in four hours? Tricky. And a, a Victorian lesson's 50 minutes, a murder mystery's an hour. Do you see what I mean? How do you do that, you know? Um, so that, that was a bit of a challenge. And in fact, I think the teachers, when they first looked at that, they said, well, we, we do skills. Well, well, wait a minute, we're good at teaching skills. It's not, it's not, not a museum thing at all, you know? So, um, and it, it took a bit of time to get teachers to say, well, actually, it's part of the learning, part of the experience, you know. And there are children that go in that experience and make massive steps in the hour and a half that we see them because we offer the experience in a different way than you do in school. So there are children that make those huge steps, you know. So it's, it's getting teachers to say that, though, that it's quite tricky. And then knowledge and understanding and uh, where they go next 
and what has that attitude to, are they liable to come back to the museum it's really important for the museum world to know that if you're working with 42,000 children that a degree of them are coming back <laughs> do you see what I mean so um, and also if they had a really good experience in one museum would that be a stepping stone to go to the next museum you know and that's that's quite important as well in, in our world anyway um, so those are the those are the categories. Do you want to have a look at some of the comments and see if you can put them in the category? Do you want to do that or do you think it's too bland an activity? How do you feel? Speak. Let's try it. Yeah. Okay, so I've got, <laughs> I've got loads and loads of comments. Some of them positive, some of them negative. If you just take a few and hand some on um, and, um, you know, th th this, is, this is the world which um, these comments and little leaflets and, uh, you know, it's a bit fiddly, but it's where we lived for a while, if you see what I mean. So is that, just read out, somebody read out a comment that they've got and let's see if we can put it in a category. Who? Go on. The teacher was really good, lesson was good, and the children really enjoyed it. One girl said, this is the best lesson ever. So where do you think that fits? Is attitudes and values, behaviour, knowledge and understanding, skills, or enjoyment? Enjoyment. Enjoy. Stick it on the enjoyment one. Okay, great. Thank you. The middle group was rather rushed because of our bus leaving times and couldn't spend as much time in the town. They had to bunk off earth. <laughs> this group were sad that they didn't have as much time as they needed in the museum. So where does that fit with attitudes, values, activities, behaviour, knowledge and understanding skills and enjoyment? I would, you know, this is where it gets tricky. You think it goes there, and you, I think it goes somewhere else, and you think it goes. And what you have to do as a team is to get really comfortable which, with, with which one fits where. And, it do, and this is the tricky thing, is that your interpretation of this might be completely different to Tully House or to Tannaway Museums or whatever. Do you see what I mean? But as long as you stick to your structure... And as long as you don't compare, it's okay, I think. Right. So I, think I would call enjoyment? this a grey statement. It doesn't oh, fit with anything. Enjoyment. Enjoyment. Yeah, it's like the enjoyment was limited. Yeah, because yeah, it was yeah, all yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. I've got, the lesson was excellent and really gave the children an unforgettable experience. It brought topics to life for the class. Right, now, we could infer meaning. <laughs> It might have changed their attitude a little bit, but uh, that's the tricky. Another tricky one is, unless you ask the question direct, did it change their attitude? You don't get the answer that you. So does can you infer from this statement that attitudes have changed? Oh, you would put this in knowledge and understand. Okay, fine. What have you got, Carl? As it is a large site, trying to make it back for a bus is oh, difficult no. as only two trams are running. So that, do you remember here, this is about play, this is more about place, the place and making sure that the place is effective for learning, you know? Um, what, what, I, what I found with some children is that they're too worried about whether they're having lunch and then they can't engage with what you're doing. So what I try to do when I go and see them first is I say, you will have your lunch here, don't worry, and there are toilets here, 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 okay? And then, so that, afterwards, now they're getting engaged with the museum and not worrying about where they're having their lunch. That's something, really, the teacher should be doing. Do 
see what I mean? Because what the teacher wants is the best experience in terms of learning from, from their visit to the museum, you know. Um, but, but, but there we go. Where, where do we put that? I think that's a great statement. Uh, sorry, but... but <laughs> sir. It built well on what we had learned in school about the time period. Okay, so, so that's very that's easy, isn't it? Yeah, knowledge and understanding. Yeah. This really is the jewel in the crown of educational facilities in the area. Thank you so much. I hope to see you again soon. The jewel, jewel in the crown. crown. <laughs> Honestly, I have not. I didn't even look at what was written. I think this is about progression. Are they coming back? Oh, you want to put that on there? On all of them? Yeah. Yeah. The lesson was well paced and the teacher was excellent. The children learnt a lot and really enjoyed their experience. So here, I think knowledge and understanding. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So pretty good. Yeah. Or enjoyment. Now there are some some in the statement within the statement. And what we did is sometimes cut up the sentences because half of it refers to progression, another half refers to knowledge and understanding. And so sometimes the statements were a bit, what's this? You know, because it didn't quite. Yeah. And also, there are some statements that could be in two categories. And again, you have to, as a team, decide and get comfortable with what, which category you want. Okay, this one is, there was no warning to children not to touch inkwells, resulting in several blue fingers. Well, it might mean the, te the teacher doesn't bring them back. teacher doesn't bring them back again. Do not touch. They're quite with blue lips as well. Anyway. Kiss the uh, tram buses are excellent for children to experience Victorian transport. So knowledge and understanding. Okay, so I, I mean, we won't go any further, but you can see and um, you can see how potentially these comments and we did exactly that. We had a right good laugh going through some of them, and equally we had tears with some of them, um, and we had you know angst with others and with others. Do you see what I mean? So this whole process of looking actually did the team. It was quite cathartic in a way. Now at the beginning, I wanted to know what teachers would offer off their own bat. Um, so I felt there was more power in statements that say about skills than, um, than if I asked the teacher, did they develop the skills? So, um, so their first evaluation sheet was a very bland one like this and offered the teacher anything they wanted to comment about. So it says their teacher comments and other comments. And I just put other comments to break up the page. It's not, it's not other no, no other reason than that, because I didn't want teachers feeling, oh my goodness, I'm supposed to fill all this in. You know, so they just, uh, so it was just other comments. And also it sort of intimated, what do the children think? What do the children think? Because uh, um, as well, although I didn't really want to put that in there. Um, Okay, so from that, and you can see at the top here, it says pre-visit, museum visit, post-visit. And so whatever they ringed there, if I got 100 pre-visit comments and 100 museum visit comments and 100 post-visit comments, I could categorise and see if there was any difference between the categories. Okay? So this is the pre-visit statement. This is a pre-visit statement. Okay? Um, and 
um, you can see that enjoyment comes, you know, do you know what? Yeah, it should do. You know, if the children are not enjoying themselves in the museum, why bother? Why bother trying it, you know? So enjoyment, we want the teachers to, even though it might be quite a bland comment, we want them to say they had a good time, they had fun. We know that learning is best, happens best when children are having fun. There are lots of grey statements, you can see we couldn't categorise them. And then attitudes and values, skills, knowledge. We had hoped this would be a little bit higher, because <laughs> we want to impart knowledge of the past, you know. But there it is, and then development. So they made comments about coming to the museum because this was the pre-visit. In the pre-visit, we tend to take lots of objects to handle and to hold. And we do, we try and teach the past in creative ways. So, for example, I might start with a gravestone or... Does that sound hideous? Yeah, yeah, it does. But it's fun, you know, um, and things like that. So uh, that's, that's the pre-visit statements. And you see there's a lot of them because when we sent the evaluation out, it was like pre-visit, museum visit, post-visit. And by the time they got to the post-visit, they got, they got a bit tired, so the comments aren't as many in the post-visit. If we'd done it the other way around, we'd have had lots of comments about the post-visit. Do you see what I mean? It's just to know that that's what happens. And then this is the museum visit, and again, the enjoyment comes quite high. Some knowledge and understanding is important, and skills and attitudes, quite low in terms of comments, and a little bit worrying. So what how do we teach skills? You know, oh no, they're not getting, you know, teachers are not offering that experience. But within the, or we're not offering teachers that experience, within the post-visit, you can see the skills jump. Um, the, the strategy around the post-visit was to say, right, you learnt this here and you learnt this here. Right, we're going to take that knowledge and do something with it. Okay, so it wasn't about knowledge anymore. It was about using, using the information that we got to develop skills. So this was when we did quite a lot of drama, hot seating, and we were quite creative. And we found a story about a miner coming from Cornwall and then fighting in the streets. So we recreated that with the children carefully. Um, but we, uh, and that was really interesting because it had a mirror on the way we greet people today in our communities. And so it was relevant today. It was quite a powerful experience. Um, some teachers wanted us to do that, other teachers didn't. So anyway, so it shows you um, the differences that could be created. And I think in terms of skills, you need time. You, you can't expect to teach it in an hour. It's no, you know, how do you, you know, so there is, there is, it's important that there is a follow-up, there is more time to work with groups. And so sometimes, if the funders want you to teach skills or change attitudes, you need to say to them, actually, we need more time to do that. We can't do it in an hour and a half. You know, we need to see them two or three times, or whatever. And then we can get this through. Do you see what I mean? In my mind, anyway. So this is, taught, this is what taught us. So um, when we went back to Heritage Lottery, so we said, we would like us, we'd like to do the evacuees. And then we were able to say, well, actually, if we do post-visits and you fund those, we know we're going to develop the skills. And then that's all the, all the statements together. Now, from that, it, it actually gave the team a real sense of where we're going and who we are and what it means to be a museum and what the learning was within the museum. And it also gave them a confidence to then say, right, what questions do we really want answering? So this is the... This is the... Well, you describe it. The evaluation... don't know what to call it anymore. The monitoring form um, that we sent then to teachers... 
Um, and you can see we, we put this grading scale of 1 to 10. Um, if you agreed, it was 10. If you disagreed, it was 1. And you chose in between. And we, answered, we asked questions that really we wanted to know. So the staff really wanted to know if they were competent. Please put that question in, Simon. We want to know how good we are. Yeah, we want to know what the teachers think about what we're doing. Um, we want to know if we're offering good value for money. This is starting to move away from the framework. But what I'm saying to you is that we couldn't have done this without first doing that. That gave us information that then led us onto the things that we really wanted. Do you see what I mean? And there was a year, <coughs> a year and a half between the two things. Okay. And, it, and we, had, we, we talked a lot about it before we moved on. This process, we had three days doing this. A full day, one day, which was... Like at the end, we were going, I don't know what this comment is, please let me go home. You know? <laughs> no, but it did generate this discussion, and particularly the grey comments, as I said. So here, we can write here what the activity, they write here what the activity, and sudden, suddenly you can compare and contrast different activities. So from that, this is the findings. So um, here is number eight. So we did have one or two teachers who ranked us one, two, one, two, quite low, and their comments reflected that. So they had a bad experience in the museum. It wasn't all good. One or two were pretty poor. But on the whole, there were lots of teachers that did 10, 10, 10, 10, 10. That was really annoying because we wanted to compare, you know, whether they felt skills was as good as attitude, as good as value for money. But they didn't. They were a bit lazy. They just went 10, 10, 10. So you have to know that some teachers will do that. On the other hand, when they write about it afterwards, um, the, 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 it also illuminates what, what they thought was good in the, in the process. And because we purposely didn't ask the question, did the children enjoy themselves, because we thought we got that from the previous, you know, as a massive break, you know, so we didn't ask that question, we thought, right, okay, you know. But there were other questions we wanted to know. But the, the thing is that then we could see how different activities were being rated so the children learnt something new. You can see that within the murder mystery, um, it came lowest, whereas the pit cottage activity came highest. So what we can do now is to say, hey, <coughs> teachers, do the pit cottage. If you want the children to learn something new, do the pit cottage. Don't do the murder mystery. If you want, however, the children to develop their skills, do the murder mystery. Don't do the pit cottage. Do you see what I mean? So it enabled us to understand exactly what was happening within a given, a given activity and also to then market it appropriately. Market. Did I use a dirty word? It's the word I live in, I'm afraid. So in the leaflet, we didn't say that the murder mystery was about learning, was about knowledge and understanding or learning about the past. We said, this is a thinking skills activity. If you want to do it, do it. If you want to learn something, don't do it. Um, and, and it gave us a power to explore that. And also, what it also did was say, wow, have you seen the murder mystery? They all think it's really good. Right, can, let's try and think of something else like the murder mystery, or the next step on from that, that we can then develop with the children. Do you see what I mean? So it also influenced in, us in what we did next as a team. So the suffragettes came on next. The Potter problem, which was an investigation of the death of a minor. Um, and so on. And at the moment, we're working on a project which is about teenage pregnancy, which 
If we hadn't have done the evaluation, if we hadn't understood the learning, you know, we would have never taken that risk to look at that particular issue. You know, we want children to explore teenage pregnancy in the past and let them influence them today. It's a tricky, tricky thing to do. But um, we know that we've got the capacity to do it. We know that through the, the evaluation that we did, that's where we can go. Well, that might be a massive failure, I don't know. But it gives us a bit of strength in, in our decision making. And then also, uh, quite a lot of staff um, from different museums, before they started a new project, they looked at the generic learning outcomes and the structure. And then, they, they, so they had this, this idea of a grid start building up that you, you, so what skills are you going to teach in that particular session? What attitudes? What, and it, even though you might have said, well, we're not going to teach attitudes, at least you've got it in your mind as something that maybe... Do you see what I mean? And it gave a structure to the planning. And it also enabled the wider museum to have a structure in their own planning. Do you see what I mean? So, um, so this then, it takes you back to first principles and to look at where we're going in terms of uh, development, particularly in development. Um, and so uh, this is what we want to do, this is what we want to do. Have we covered all of these? Now, you could put a different list here. It could be... Um, those five principles about children, what they need, what, what's that called? The every child, every child matters. So it could be all every child matters and looking at those five principles and saying, do we satisfy those needs? And if we do, then uh, great. And if we don't, then maybe you need to change it slightly so that we do. And then, and then afterwards, you say, right, now we're going to measure it against those principles. So we're going to ask the teachers, did it do this? Did it do this? Or we're going to ask the children, did you get this? Did you get that? And then, well, if it was every child matters that you wanted, we achieved it. Look. Do you see what I mean? So it is tricky, I think, and it's tricky when it comes when, when you compare and contrast. So Tyne Weir Museums, they didn't go through that first process of getting uh, un, un, just free comments from the teacher. I can't express that. Um, they went straight into the questions that related to the, um, the different categories. So they said, did you enjoy yourself? Do you see what I mean? And then they could say that 96% of all their children who visited the museum enjoyed themselves. We couldn't say that. Ours was much lower because we offered... So, it's, so I was going, ah... And I was feeling that people were comparing us when it was wrong to do so. Because we use different, we use the same structure, but we used it in massively different ways. So you ha that's a really important warning that if if you're going to present that to the outside community, you need to get comfortable in, in how it's presented. And then this is um, 2008 and 2010 comparison, and you'll see the red line has dipped slightly, and um, that's because. The director doesn't want me delivering, not me personally, but the team, delivering at the museum. He wants us to go and find other schools and engage with other schools and bring them to the museum. So that means a whole new set of people are delivering. And they don't deliver as often as we did. And they didn't have the same skills as we did initially. And so there was a little dip. But it's still hugely high. There's eight. And there's nine. Yeah, we're nearly finished. Um, so. Um, so whilst there is a slight dip, um, it's still very high. So um, there's some work to do with the staff to make to lift them. 
So you go, look, Richard, look what's happened. Richard's my boss. Um, and you say, oh dear, Simon, what are you going to do about it? Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> so then it's all about training and development, you know, and it's that side of things. But at least, at least it informs us. At least we know where we are and where we're going. Yeah, well, it depends on the robustness of the debt. So you might have all different schools coming there. Okay, the other thing that you have to know is that the other element of what I do is long lists of schools. Every year I have a list of schools that come to the museum. I know who they are. I know who's not coming. I know why they're not coming. Do you see what I mean? So, um, so I can compare and contrast not just the data here, but whether what the data was two years ago compare and contrast if they're the same schools. Generally, they are the same schools. You're the same teacher. Um, and in terms of percentage, um, there are so many comments. We're getting 50% of, of comments back. So there's a lot. I mean, you've seen there's stacks and stacks of comments. So in the end, it evens out. There isn't a small number of comments that we're making grand. It's no, no, I just meant comments. in general for any organisation. Right. Be aware of the robustness of the data you're using. To yes. Yeah. Analysis. Yes, you have to be aware of that definitely. Um, I'm also intrigued. Like, who is it? Who's it for? Because in, on the one aspect, you're talking really clearly about this being for the team, for team development, for understanding your organisation, how you're going to develop your organisation, and then you're saying, oh, but then we take it to, um, or put it in comparison with another organisation. The reality is, is that you can't. Can an organisation realistically spend, um, you know, this much time on two separate types, or does it need to, or are those, or is there a? So I would be really reluctant to share that information with outside agency. Right, I think, okay. I, um, I, you know, I'd written in my first application eight years ago to Heritage Lottery. Uh, I'd written in that they would lift the children's self-esteem, hoping to God they would never ask me how, if it had uh, lift the children's self, because how do you measure that? It's almost impossible. You know, so, um, so whilst it's said, you know, and then in fact what they were more interested in was the actual, you know, so with the money that they gave me, I, get, I said I would do 80 and in fact I did 120 schools. Do you see what I mean? So, so they were more interested in that side of things, the numbers and the value for money in, in their terms, than what actually happened. It's a bit sad. And in fact, I wrote a long document using this structure, ready to feed back to HR. Never asked me for it. But, but the power of this is not... It, it's the power of lifting of understanding what it is that you're doing as a team and also giving direction. So some of the activities that we did got not brilliant feedback, we dropped it. We were brutal and then we developed something new instead. So, within, so we can't do more than 10 activities, say. Um, so uh, if we bring a new one in, something's got to go. Do you see what I mean? So, so it informed, enabled us to understand the process and also to understand what it is teachers would buy into. Have you had a chance to test out on the children and young people's perceptions of what they've learned, etc., similar to their teachers? Okay, um, there was one particular set of comments that came from the teachers that made us think about that really quite seriously. And the comment was uh, focused around the Victorian lesson. 
The teacher said it wasn't strict enough. This lesson was not strict enough. And what we found was, as a team, that if we were strict, right, you sit down, behave, you know, then the children cried, you know, and, um, and, and the teachers were like, great, you got him crying, you know, and that's not really, so it, 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 there was a lot of angst around what the children's perception of what they were experiencing and what the teachers, in this particular case, they were quite different. And so we had to find a way of making it straight, but not too strict that it affected the children's enjoyment of the experience. And in fact, we have some children who've, who sent us letters back saying, I was the one that cried, but I had a lovely time. You know, so, so and it was quite, it's quite tricky to get that right. And it made us discuss that for, forever. You know, and what was interesting is that there are other museums that do this uh, Victorian lesson. And their attitude, we met them once, and their attitude was, so we said, oh, what about the strictness? What do you feel? Oh, yes, you've got to really be strict. And, and we had come to a different conclusion. And then it made us look at ourselves again and think, well, maybe we should go back to being horrible again. You know, but you're right. In that case, that, there was a tension between what we felt the children needed and what the teachers needed. At the end of the day, in my heart, I'd love to know more about what the children experienced. But unfortunately, it's the teachers that make that choice. And so my, my focus is to make sure that the teachers are going to make the choice to come to the museum, a museum or whatever. Do you see what I mean? And so I need to understand that more than I need to understand the children's learning. We did ask the children, have you learned any new skills? And what we found was they didn't really understand what that meant. Whereas if we asked them, did you enjoy it? Oh yeah, lovely time. So there are certain questions, certain things that fit and others that don't, don't fit. Most of our children are year five, year six. We have a double peak, year one, year two, and then year five, year six. And then year seven almost disappears, but they start coming back in year nine. So the ones in year nine, did you ask them how they felt that they improved their skills or how their skills had changed? What we did was with the suffragettes, we asked them specifically um, those questions mm -hmm. in the pilots that we did. So we, we tried it with two or three different schools and we asked them those pertinent questions mm -hmm. and they gave us that feedback. And interestingly, we did a, part of it was a drama about force feeding. It was quite on the edge of being comfortable with the children of acting that out, you know. Yeah. Some children found it abhorrent, mm -hmm. you know. And so that was quite interesting that, in fact, the teachers wanted us to do this, but the children didn't like it. Mm -hmm. So it made us change slightly how we, how we, off, how we offered that. Mm, yeah, it's our approach. Yeah, it's yeah, you know, so, yeah. Um, you know, the boys seem to love, love shouting at the girls and get back to the sink, you know, whatever, you know, it's completely non-PC. But it did give them an insight into the arguments that happened in the past around this particular issue. So we did ask in the pilots, but after that we stopped asking. Okay, I was just, I just, I just wondering because obviously year five and year six, but I mean, it may not... Yeah, yes, yeah, so but when they get a bit older, you get a better sense of that. Yeah, yeah. The year nines are coming with a slightly different attitude. You know, they're coming, go on then, entertain me. Whereas the year sixes are going, great, I'm being entertained. You know, so, um, and, so by, and so that process is, we talk about it and discuss how we can engage that particular group. Yeah, yeah, so we talk about that now. Yeah, and organisations about that age group and how difficult they are. Hit 12 and it's just like yeah, yeah, but if you get them all dressed up and because they love dressing up, you know, then they're they're in. 
Any other comments? Did you like what I said? Did you not like whether? Did you see the pitfalls? Did you see the... How do you feel? Speak. Sorry, I'm acting like a terrible teacher, aren't I? <laughs> it's very interesting. Oh, sorry. No, I was just going to say it's been great for me to see how this um, Evernote, GMA framework is actually used in practice. Of course, from a research point of view, I've just looked at it on paper on the website, mm. trying to categorise what it's trying to do. Mm. But to actually hear how you've used it, is great. I think it was interesting just to see the sort of your approach on how to engage young people when that's not necessarily you just not force yourself to do it, but you, know, you learn how to do that. And it's just interesting knowing, knowing that sort of learning curve and how you approach that. Um, I think at the beginning I was going, I don't really want to do that. I yeah, don't no, really exactly. want to. Yeah, um, but then I and then I thought, well, well, let's have, let's have a look at it. And then as we did it, I was going, ah, this is great. This is what I need to tell the team. This is come on, look at this. You know, I got enthusiastic about it, and then and they they caught that enthusiasm. Do you think it's? Do you think why do why do you think they like it? Is it become is it because it comes from the MNAC? Therefore, has kind of cloud attached to it, or because they recognise that it's good, or because you say it's good, or what? I think they sort of suspected that what we were doing was reasonable. Um, what they didn't realise was how good it was, you know, and and that gave us a strength, um, which sometimes within a learning team, uh, how can I explain? We're quite low in the pecking order, or it feels like we're quite low in the pecking. We might not be, but it feels a little bit like that. Do you, do you know what I mean? You're nodding. And so, so actually, we could say to curatorial, hey, did you know we did this? You know, because when we went with the idea of suffragette, they said, oh no, don't do that, don't do that. We did it anyway. But, but and then we were able to say, actually, look what happened. You know, and uh, what it did also, when, when we have a load of teenagers going through the town, going, votes for women, all the visitors, they can't help themselves. They go, get away, you know, uh, they get engaged as well, <laughs> you know. And so that lifted performance in, in the museum itself. It was, you know, and these things, getting the children and the wider community engaged, their laughter, the fun, their engagement, it's just wonderful. You know, you can't, you can't. If you could bottle it, it would be fun. Do you sort of mean? But there's a hell of a lot of work that you do to get to that point. I think what's most interesting for me is how you've taken this and made changes because of it. You know, yeah, we haven't started with this. Yeah, absolutely. We started to think about what we, what us as a team wanted to know. Um, just, I, I can't remember if you touched on this at all, but um, sort of when for the people that you get to reenact these things like this, say for the Victoria School teachers or the suffragettes when they get to do you consult different arts organisations or consult different their companies or theatres who, who specialise in historical theatre or historical okay. sort of in Okay, that, that was really approaches. it was really interesting. We did a uh, a project with the Dance City, which is yeah. uh, um, well, as it's described in Newcastle. <laughs> and um, uh, they came and did a suffragette dance on the street, okay. but we had to insist that it was period looking, which gave the artists a massive dilemma because they wanted to be creative. You can still be creative, but with it. So we gave them parameters. They weren't didn't want parameters. They wanted to be free, and which is fine. But it, we felt it needed to look period ish, so that the visitors didn't feel alienated. 
to the experience. Do you see what I mean? And because we stipulated that, there was a lot of, mm -hmm. how are we going to do that? You know. But they did it in the end. It was a really lovely thing that happened in year sevens. And they did a beautiful dance in the end. Mm -hmm. And uh, it worked very well. It rained, unfortunately. But, but it didn't matter. That, you know, it, it was very good. Uh, it was interesting mm -hmm. that um, the artist didn't want any shackles. That is interesting because some of the artists I work with prefer shackles. Ah, yeah. yeah. Creativity is normally born of constraint. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. Um, and in fact, they, they used period music, but they interpreted it in quite a... and it became surrealistic in the middle. It was really mm. good, you know. So um, it made the visitor see the history and then made them take them up a step, a step away from that. And it was very powerful. How you measure that? This doesn't do that. Creativity, I think, is a massive challenge to, to, to measure that side of things. We've got to stop. Thank you very much. That was really interesting. Thank you. This podcast is produced by Arts Council England. For more content like this, visit artscouncil.org.uk or soundcloud.com forward slash Arts Council England.